Podcasts are pretty common. So what makes the Uncommon Podcast uncommon? Well, it's all in our name. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and we at Uncommon Sports Group understand the unique pressures and temptations that come with a career in the sport industry. We provide uncommon training that helps you successfully navigate common challenges. Hit the follow button on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Check out our website and become uncommon. USG, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncommon Podcast. As always, I'm with you, your host, Noah Weiss, and I'm excited for what we're talking about today because it is truly one of the most difficult, yes, stressed aspects of the Christian life in Scripture, and, and that is living with an eternal mindset. I feel that, you know, recently there's been some events uh, within the sports world that have reminded me of the importance of this topic and and how we can navigate many of the trials that we face in life uh, as believers in in peace, right? Jesus is often known as the Prince of Peace, um, but sometimes in this world it can be hard to feel that we are at peace uh, and finding true peace is very difficult. And so my goal and my hope is that in today's podcast, when we just dive into uh, scripture and understanding eternal mindset, that you will be encouraged Um, that really no matter what happens in this life or what struggles you might face, that there is truly something greater um, in Jesus. So, you know, right now we're in this time where we've seen DeMar Hamlin uh, almost lose his life on the football field. Uh, Recently, there was a University of Georgia um, football player and staff member who passed away in a car accident. And it just reminds us of the brevity of life. Life is a vapor. Um, James talks about it, and we'll read that verse later. James talks about uh, what is your life? It is a a mist, uh, is what he calls it. And I think we just need to take these things with a lens of how does does Christ view these things? How does Christ view these trials? And how can we understand them in our lives to live in a way where we are focused on things that are outside of this world that are unseen? And so that's my goal today, um, to bring this full circle. Um, My goal is that you will be encouraged eternally, as I mentioned earlier, and have peace um, in that reality. So I'm going to talk through uh, five ways that I believe uh, we can live with an eternal mindset. Uh, All five of these ways are derived from scripture. I did not make them up. I'm not that smart, but my goal is to just kind of unpack each of these. Um, And my prayer is that as I read through, you will be encouraged to practice these in your life as best you can Uh, to live with that eternal mindset. So I want to start with number one. And number one is understanding the temporary nature of life on this earth. It's kind of what I mentioned already with uh, using DeMar and the Georgia football team as uh, real life examples of this. You know, life is, is much shorter than we think. And oftentimes we believe that we have so much time or we assume that we have so much time. But in reality, you know, life is a vapor. You know, James chapter four Verse 14, I, I mentioned in, you know, it, I mentioned this verse earlier, but it says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. 
And that's the reality we live in, is we do not know what tomorrow will bring. We do not know if today is our last day. And so we must have this mindset of our lives are a mist. Uh, They're here for some time, but then they vanish. And, you know, obviously this is not the most encouraging part of the eternal mindset, um, but it is a really important one. And David writes in Psalm 90, verse 12, So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. And I love that verse in particular because David is saying, Lord, help me to number my days and be reminded of my short life so I can live with wisdom and make decisions based on, um, you know, based on the time that I have and not live expecting that I have a lot of time uh, in this world. He says something very similar in Psalm 39, verse 4, David writing again, he says, O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Again, you know, I love David because he has a lot of humility. David carries with himself the ability to uh, see his life from God's eyes. And I think in in these two verses, he does that uh, wonderfully. And he even says in this verse, let me know how fleeting I am, how empty I am, how short I am. Life is not about me. Life is not about my plans because oftentimes our plans don't come to fruition. It's only God's plans that truly do. So living with that peace is is difficult, but it is uh, one of the key aspects to having an eternal mindset is really having an understanding of how short our lives are. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 24 through 25, he writes, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of, but the word of the Lord, excuse me, remains forever. And what this is saying is, is a reality of our lives are like grass. Our lives are like flowers. They're here for some time, but they eventually pass away. And what remains is God's word, the truth that God has outlined about this world. And so the, with the goal of Peter writing this is not to discourage, but to encourage, to pursue Christ, pursue his word, pursue his truth in our lives. Because at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. And so I find this to be quite an encouragement of understanding our lives are temporary, um, that the many things that we focus on are not as important as, as we think. I, I once listened to a sermon, and the, the title of the sermon was, It Doesn't Really Matter. And the pastor was unpacking that he wishes more pastors would tell people that it doesn't really matter. And it, not, not to say he's ignoring people's problems, but what he's saying is a lot of the things that we're fixated on do not matter as much as we think they do. So that sermon was very pivotal for me in my journey with the Lord of you know, understanding his mind um, of what he desires for us and what matters in the short, temporary nature of this world. So uh, very encouraged by, by these scriptures. And um, I think a, a good action item for all of us listening right now, including myself, is life is short. Life is temporary. And some of us might live 80 years. Some of us might live eight The reality is all of us will die at some point. And so how can we live focusing on the things that happen after our death, the things that happen beyond this life? I'm reading a book right now by John Piper, a tremendous pastor. He's actually from Minneapolis right here where USG is located. And he writes in his book something really um, that just stuck out to me. And he writes that this planet and this life is like the Titanic, right? Before the iceberg, there is rejoicing. Before the end, there is excitement. But once that 
that boat, the Titanic, hit the iceberg, there was no more rejoicing. And he was comparing it to the, the, at the end of time when Christ comes and those who do not know him are taken in, into judgment. Uh, but I think we can even compare this with our own lives. That there is a lot of excitement in this world. There's things that bring us joy, but ultimately those things are, are sinking sand. They will end. They will not last. Um, so I think picturing our life in that way, that there is a, a more grim ending, but um, the true reality is in Christ, that is not a grim ending. There's a very real uh, eternity and expectation that we have, and we'll talk more about that as we continue. Um, but I think that's a good transition, thinking about the Titanic imagery into viewing our sufferings properly. I, I love this aspect of living eternally minded, and this is our second point of living eternally minded, is viewing our sufferings properly, because we're guaranteed to suffer. Right, we're not guaranteed much um, in, in this world, but we are guaranteed uh, to suffer and to deal with pain and suffering. And so, to be able to live eternally minded, we must view our sufferings properly. Jesus writes and or says, I guess, and writes in John sixteen thirty three. He says, "I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace." In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And Jesus is saying here, hey, you're going to have some problems in this life. You're going to deal with some things. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be trial, but take heart. Or in other words, do not worry. Do not be surprised. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection, that those who trust in him, put their faith in him, do have an ultimate hope once this life is over. And so when we're suffering in this world, when we're suffering, it's not the end. It, it's not that our suffering is pointless. Our suffering actually builds endurance, which I will read that scripture actually in a, in a few minutes here, but Jesus is presenting to us a reality of what he's done for us is enough. It overcomes our sufferings. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Paul's saying, hey, the stuff you're, you're dealing with, it, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. It, it does suck, right? I think I, I do want to acknowledge that, you know, most of you listening, all of you probably are dealing with something right now that falls in the category of suffering. And I don't want to undermine that. I don't want you to feel that, now I'm saying don't, you know, don't suffer or don't act like it's a big deal because we will. And it, sometimes it is a big deal. Most of the time it's a big deal. But I want to encourage you by, by, by what Paul said of that it's, these things are small compared to what we will see or what we will receive uh, for those of us that are believing and trusting in Christ Jesus at the end of time, at the end of our lives. And so be encouraged, right? First Peter 5.10, uh, Peter writes, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will restore, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The thing about, about the gospel that's amazing is, is God calls us, right? We don't go to God, right? We ourselves are broken. We ourselves are lost. God finds us. God calls us. And, and this scripture outlines that God calls us into eternity. It says, 
the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. And what a beautiful picture that God calls us into his eternal glory. He wants us to experience that. He wants us to be with him, right? We are heirs of Christ. Our inheritance is his glory and being in that forever, right? And I don't know what exactly eternity is going to be like. I won't act like I'm going to take a guess, but I will say that that is encouraging. That is encouraging. We've been called not just to know him in this life, but to know him more fully in the next. How encouraging is that? And I know I mentioned earlier I'd read this scripture, but Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, he says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. I just want to pause right there. I've, I can honestly say I've hardly ever rejoiced in my sufferings. It's, it's hard. It's hard to rejoice when we're, when we're in pain and when we're suffering. But Paul says, knowing that suffering produces endurance. So I want to pause this after every comma. I'm going to pause. He says, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Suffering produces um, a sense of endurance. It's like this. I'll give a good example. I think a good example. Uh, imagine the first day you've never run in your life, and you go out the first time, you go run a mile. It's going to be a hard mile, right? It's going to be a really hard mile. But if you run for two years straight, and by the end of the two years, you're running 24 miles, you're doing you know, pretty much a marathon, right? Doing that one mile is, is easy. You're like, man, I've been two years doing this. I'm, I can handle one mile. And it's the same thing with suffering. Suffering produces endurance so that when more suffering comes, we're ready for it and we're prepared to, to, to actually receive it and rejoice in it, right? Uh, he goes on to say, and endurance produces character, right? Endurance, enduring through hard times, right, produces a level of character. It builds up our stamina, and we have a stronger character because of that, right? You think about maybe you run that first mile, and you're like, man, man, I hate this. I hate running. I'm, just, I'm done, right? But maybe after the two years, you enjoy running, and your attitude around it completely changes. You've developed character, right? Your character has altered, and you've, you view the activity differently than you did before, and that's how it is with suffering. And he goes on to say, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Character produces hope because we're more willing to almost shift our perspective on our suffering. You know, we start off and we view suffering as a burden, as, as not fair, as wrong, but as we endure, right, we build this character to say, well, actually, you know, suffering has made me, you know, really grow closer to Christ and view my life in, from an eternal lens. And so, now I view it as, you know, hey, I have some hope in what's coming next because my mind is not as fixated on the temporary but on the eternal. And that's what Paul is saying, right, that our character produces a level of hope that we did not have. And, and lastly, hope doesn't put us to shame because our suffering isn't pointless. I always picture, you know, think about the atheistic worldview. There is no God. You know, there really is no purpose to the world. It just was here. It came to be. You know, what is the point of suffering in that? What is the point of, of pain in that? It's more so just an unlucky occurrence. There's no greater point. There's no greater purpose. For the atheist, to suffer, uh, suffering is actually one of the worst things you can experience because there's no point. There's no long-lasting reason of why you suffer. You, you just suffer, right? And so I, I'm encouraged as a follower of Jesus, and I'm sure you are as well, that our hope does not put us to shame because even in our most intense sufferings, we have something greater to look forward to. And lastly, Paul finishes the verse and he says this, because God's love has been poured into our hearts 
through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Right? God's love has been shown to us and poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit uh, through Christ to remind us uh, that God loves us so much. Right? I mean, I love preaching the gospel. I'll do it here quick, but God loves us so much that he was willing to um, take us away from eternal punishment and damnation through his son. Right? That's how much he loves you and loves me. And so um, have that in the back of your mind as well as this hope is not deserved. You know, this hope in, in eternity is not deserved at all. It's a gift from Christ. Um, so a huge part of that eternal mindset is that as well. And lastly, Paul writing again, I love this scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16-18, Paul says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And think about, you know, Paul says light momentary affliction. Some things are not light, but I know what he's saying is what he's saying is compared to what we're going to see, boy, this is nothing. And he kind of said it earlier in Romans, and he says it again. Right, our outer self is wasting away, our bodies are wasting away, but our inner, our soul is being renewed day by day. So be encouraged, right? View your sufferings in the light of eternity. That when we do suffer, when you do suffer, it's not pointless. Right? Our suffering produces endurance. Our, our suffering uh, helps us produce character, and our character helps us produce hope. Be encouraged by that. Be encouraged by why you suffer for God's glory for God's glory, which is so worth suffering for. And I think that's a good transition as well. I think the third way we can live eternally minded is living unto the glory of God, living for the glory of God. I think a, a big struggle uh, in this world and why we're often tempted to desire this life more than Christ, and I'm guilty of this, is wanting to live for ourselves and our own plans instead of the glory of God. We often think that living for the glory of God is not as exciting. Um, it's not as um, American, <laughs> right? It's, it's not about us. So often the, the, the American mindset is build your own kingdom, right? And so it's hard. It's a hard mindset shift, even for uh, the most uh, elaborate, uh, strong Christians, right? It's a hard mindset. And so first I'd, I want to encourage you with the scripture, Romans 11, verse 36, it says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. So from God, through God, and to God is everything. It's all about God. That's what that verse is. He basically, he should have wrote, it's all about God, amen. <laughs> right? So um, if we're not li living for the glory of God, we're missing it. We're missing the purpose of our creation. And we're truly missing how great he is how deserving he is of that. Um, I love Paul. I mean, a lot of these verses come from Paul because he just had such a robust eternal perspective in Scripture. And he writes in Philippians uh, chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, 
but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. I love this verse. And Paul says, everything is loss. Everything is empty. Everything stinks. Everything is a failure because of how amazing it is to know Christ. Can you imagine living with that mindset? Like actually, not just saying it. I think it's easy to say a lot of these things, a lot harder to live them. How much more peaceful is your life going to be? We talked about peace in the intro. How much more peace will you have in your life if the greatest thing you have is Christ? Because it's the only thing that will never be taken away from you. Everything you have now, finances, relationships, body image, football team, whatever it is, it will be taken away. But not Christ. Not Christ. So we, if we have a surpassing, if, he's, if he surpasses everything, his worth surpasses everything, we're going to have a great uh, peace over our lives because it, it can never be taken away from us. Uh, and then, then I love what he, he caps it off by saying, you know, I, I gain Christ because of what he's done, my faith in him, not what I've done. Uh, so a great, a great way for him to cap that off and, and give more reasons for why he's confident uh, in his relationship with the Lord. You know, Jesus says too, is in John 15, verse 8, he says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. If the goal of our life is to glorify God, then we're going to produce fruit in our lives, not so we can earn God's favor, but so that we can please God and worship Him with our lives and and that His name will be glorified. And this is the beauty of living for God's glory is we release religious anxiety. And, And what I mean by religious anxiety is this pursuit of being righteous based on our actions. And 100%, it, it, you know, uh, as, as Jesus says here, right, our, our fruit or our, our actions as believers um, glorify the Father. So they matter. They don't save us. We're not given salvation based on the things that we do. But if we're living for God's glory, we're, we're doing things that last into eternity, right? Like making other disciples. That'll last into eternity because other people are coming to know Christ. And therefore, they will spend an eternity with him. I once, uh, it was actually the uh, Doug uh, Gilcrease. Uh, he was on our podcast uh, about a year ago, actually. And uh, he was sharing in his testimony that uh, he wakes up every day and he says to himself, God could use me today to change someone's eternal destiny. That's always stuck with me because, man, is there a greater responsibility for us? If we truly believe what the Bible says, when we walk past an unbeliever, they are headed for an eternity of separation from God. Eternal destruction, eternal torment. And so being a part of changing that, it's amazing that God can use us for that. So, man, how amazing is that, that scripture, Jesus saying, we can glorify God based on our fruit that we bear. I love Paul again in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. For those of you that have been with USG for some time, you know that this is our, um, really some of our favorite verses. It's actually on all of our wristbands. Um, that I think it's just a good picture of what we desire for our um, network to really live out. And it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
I love that. It's actually the first verse, not the whole uh, set of verses. I'll read the second part in a second here. But I love what he says there of present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What he's saying is give it up. Like give up your life. Be a sacrifice. You live for God. Right? Live for um, things that, that are to glorify him and that are eternal. And in that, it's spiritual worship, right? It's worshiping God based on the way we choose to live. And then he says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He's saying, hold on, don't be changed or conformed to fit the pattern of this world and just living in the temporary nature of life. Be transformed, right? And then test and approve what is God's will and then go do it for his glory. How amazing is that? And then Paul again in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, he says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something right now. That scripture is telling you, follower of Jesus, that you have seen God's glory through Jesus. You have. You've seen his goodness. You've seen his glory. You've seen his worth. And so you can live for the glory of God because you know the glory of God. He's worth glorifying. And so I want to encourage you, if you want to live eternally minded, don't live for you. Don't live for your own kingdom or your own goals and desires live for him live for his glory it'll it'll make sense in the end it will all make sense so i encourage you with that scripture live for something greater than yourself live for god's glory my fourth way that we can live eternally minded is living to serve others very similar to living for the glory of god is living to serve others this is huge i think in, in our world uh, but even in Scripture, obviously, is God calls us to live, um, to serve others in so many different ways uh, throughout Scripture. And one of my favorite ways is, and Mikey, uh, one of his favorite ways as well, if you guys know Mikey Carpenter on our staff, uh, it's First Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. And um, Peter writes, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks... As one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And and, and I love this scripture because, first of all, obviously it's a call to serve, right? We've each received a gift. And Mikey's talked about this so many times through our strengths assessments and through the Gallup Clinton strengths. Um, and, and talking through those, we, we all have gifts, right? And we can use those to serve one another, right? And this is our calling, right? To be stewards of God's grace. And he caps it off by saying, in order that in everything God may be glorified. So God is glorified when we serve. Therefore, when we serve, we live for God's glory. It's like kind of a two birds and one stone kind of thing, right? It's pretty cool. And, and I think living with that mentality, you live eternally minded because you are third, Right, it's God, it's people, then it's you, right? And so you live with the mindset that I'm really like not that important, you know. I I, I got to take care of myself a little bit, but I'm not that important compared to other people, 
right? And then, you know, Jesus has a lot to say about us serving other people. Actually, he, he talks about it quite a bit, uh, especially in, in, the, in the Gospels, right? And, and in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Even Jesus did not come to be served. He's the, he is the Son of God. If anybody deserves to be served, it's Him, right? But, but, you know, Paul writes in Philippians that Jesus did not use His God powers to take advantage of people. He served, right? And this is what Jesus is saying. He's not gloating. He's just saying, look, I didn't come to be served by you guys. I came to serve and to give my life away to ransom many. It's an amazing, amazing scripture. And then one of my favorite um, stories in scripture is uh, Matthew, ch- or sorry, excuse me, Mark chapter 9, uh, verse 35. It's actually the disciples are arguing over which of them is the best, right? Or which of them is going to be first, um, right? And, and they're, they're trying to figure it out. They're arguing. They don't agree. And I think we can all picture a time in our lives when we um, thought or talked with others about what place we are in in our lives. Maybe I'm the best at this, or I'm the best at this, or I deserve this. I know I've done it, right? And Jesus says, and he sat down and he called the and he called the twelve. So he calls his disciples over. He knows what they're talking about. He calls them over and he says, and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. I'm gonna read that one more time. If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, you want to be in first? Hey, you want to be the greatest? You want to be the goat, right? Be a servant. Be last. And I guarantee everybody was like, what is he talking about? Be last. That doesn't even make any sense. Right, and, and it doesn't click in our minds of what is Jesus saying? He's saying, to be great, you have to be a servant in my kingdom. My dominion is not your dominion. In our world, it's, if you get served, right? If you're, if you're the one being served, you're often the greatest, right? Because you've reached that plateau of having people serve you. But not in the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven, where God calls us to live, the best are those who serve. So if we want to follow Jesus, we got to take his word seriously and serve others and do it with, with a joy and a heart that wants to serve others. I love Paul again. I've taken so many verses from Paul today, so sorry if, that, if he's not your favorite. But Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Again, right? If we're going to serve others, we cannot have selfish ambition. We cannot live um, with conceit. We must have humility and count other people as more significant than ourselves. It's a hard thing to do. Boy, it's a hard thing to do. And I promise you guys, I just want to make this clear. You're going to mess up, right? You're not going to do this 100% of the time. You're not going to be a servant all the time. It's hard. It's, it's, we're not wired naturally to do that, right? But if we trust in the Holy Spirit, if we trust in, in, in Christ's work within us, we'll be able to reach 
more and more service and focus on others in our lives. So what an encouragement. And then lastly, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You know, Jesus is saying here, he says, hey, let your light shine before other people. Let the good news of, of my name, let the gospel shine before others by the way you live so that your good works and your service give glory to God. Again, this is that two birds with one stone mentality. If you want to live eternally minded, live for God's glory and serve others. Well, in this verse, you can do both at the same time. When you serve others, you glorify God. Boom and boom, right? It's, it's amazing how Scripture just directs us to live in a way where we're not on this earth for ourselves. Trust me, living eternally minded requires self-sacrifice because if you live for you, all you will want is this world and this life because that's what you're living for. But when you live for God and you live for others, you're putting yourself aside and saying, I'm not that important and this life is not that important. Therefore, I will do what I have to do for others because it matters more. It matters more, right? So let's, let's, let's change our perspective. Let's live with God's perspective, eternal perspective. So, and that's really what I'm challenging you to do today. Live with that eternal perspective. And lastly, the fifth and final way that you can live eternally minded is knowing what's next. This is one of the biggest flaws, I think, in the Christian life is, you know, we know a lot about how to live the Christian life now, but we often don't know what to expect when this life ends. So part of living eternally minded is looking forward to what's next, right? It's like, you know, somebody planning a vacation and they're like, oh, I'm not going to tell you where we're going to go. All right, or man, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything about it, right? It's not going to be that good. You know, just focus on what you're doing right now. You're not going to look forward to, but if someone was like, hey, man, we're going to go to uh, Barbados. Like, man, I'm so pumped. Like, all you would think about is Barbados for like however long you're waiting until you go, right? And so we have to know what's next. And the first thing I want to point out is we all desire eternal life. Every human being. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, Solomon writes, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. What he means by he has put eternity into man's heart is every man desires it. Every man wants to live forever. And, and what, what happens is instead of trying to, just, to discover how we can live forever, we live like this world is forever because it's kind of what we're expecting. It's kind of what we're trained to, to think. And I think it messes with people when you realize that, wait, I'm actually pretty mortal. Like, I'm, I'm actually going to die one day, you know? And, and so we have to recognize that God has given us this desire because it's how we were made. We were never meant to die. Suffering and death are a consequence of sin. It's not meant to be here, right? And so it's difficult for us to process that reality. And so we have to know what's next. We have to, to, to know what to expect when this life is over. And, and Jesus gives us a, a glimpse into that in two verses. 
John 14, verses 2 through 3, Jesus says to his disciples, In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. That where I am, you may also be. Jesus is is saying, hey, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you to be. Right? He doesn't really say much about what it is, but we know he's actually doing that right now. So be encouraged that, that Jesus is preparing for you eternity. He's preparing for you an eternal home. Right? I'm not saying he's up there you know, building real estate. I'm just saying he's, whatever that looks like in the godly perspective, he is preparing a place for you. Okay, So have that as an encouragement. Your Lord, your Savior is ready for you. In fact, he's preparing so you should also prepare, right? Uh, he says in John chapter 11, verses 25 through 26, he says, Jesus said to her, talking to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. What an, what an encouragement. I mean, think about that. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And even though we die, we shall live. We shall live. And so knowing what's next involves knowing that we have life after. Right? Sounds so hyper-spiritual, but we do have an afterlife. We do have something that's eternal, where we will be forever. How amazing is that? Right? And then in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Man, what an encouragement. This is why we have to know what's next. There's going to be a reality one day, guys. When followers of Jesus are gathered together in a place where there is no more death, no more crying, no more pain. Can you just imagine this? It's hard to imagine because we're so trained to view the world through our own lens that this is all we have, but no. But no, there is more. There is a better place. And this is the eternal mindset we should have of, Lord, come. Lord, come soon so I can experience this place. So I can be free from suffering. Lord, come. That should be our mindset. Paul writes in Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21, he says, But our citizenship is in heaven. We're not citizens on earth. We're not citizens on this planet. We're citizens in heaven, in eternity. We're not citizens here. It's like when you're on vacation, you're like, man, I want to live here forever. Maybe some of you say that. But most of us are like, I want to go home. I'm ready to go home, right? And so we're citizens of a, of a different place. And then he goes on to say, and from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This is also an encouragement. You know, most of us think about heaven as like, you know, you're floating as a spirit on clouds and like, whoa, like this is, whoa, like I've never seen this, it's amazing. But we are shown in scripture, not, not just in Philippians, but in other places that 
we're going to actually have our bodies, right? But they're going to be glorified, made perfect. So they're not the bodies we have now where they're suffering and things wrong with them, right? There's right, a reality where our bodies will be glorified. And so that's an encouragement. You're going to have a body again. You're not going to be some floating weirdo spirit. It's going to be what we know about our body. We're going to have that. And then lastly, Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, verses 22 through 23. I love this verse. He says, If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Paul's saying, hey, if I live, that's good because then my ministry will be fruitful because I'm alive and I can share the gospel. But man, I can't really choose should I live or should I die? Because honestly, death sounds better. Because I get Christ. That's what he's saying, guys. And I'll be honest, I'm going to say this straight up. I don't really have that mindset. I struggle with that. I don't really, it's kind of an easy choice for me. I'm like, man, I don't want to die yet. I'm like 24. <laughs> like, it's hard. It's a hard mindset to have. But Paul had that. And it gave him freedom to do whatever God called him to do. And so I'm going to encourage you guys, again, there's five ways you can live with an eternal mindset. The first is understanding the temporary nature of life. We don't, we're not eternal beings on this earth, right? This life is limited. One day you will die. We have to understand that. We have to view our sufferings properly. We have to view our sufferings as a gift and rejoice in them. We have to live for God's glory. We have to live to serve others. Those two kind of go together. Right? We have to live to glorify God and live to serve others so that our lives are about way more than just ourselves. And then lastly, we have to know what's next. We have to know what eternity is like so that we can look forward to it. Guys, life is, is uncertain. right? And, and we, we cannot create a foundation on things that are unstable like this world. And, and I want you guys to have peace. I want you guys to have joy. And that only comes from Jesus. And so build your foundation, as, as Jesus says in Matthew 7, on him, for he is a solid foundation. We love you guys, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. If you want to get involved with Uncommon Sports Group and the mission that we are on to help you navigate the sport industry as followers of Christ, apply for our academy on our website at uncommonsg.org. That's uncommonsg.org. Org. Be sure to catch new episodes of the Uncommon Podcast every Thursday at midnight Eastern Time, as well as the full video episodes on our YouTube channel. Until next time, we pray that you will strive to be uncommon by glorifying the name of God in whatever you may do. See you next week.